Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle, and I am here with Jeff Wickersham, and I'm super excited to interview this peak performance coach. Uh, His background we'll get into throughout the show, but I'm just so excited to have such a beautiful energy and a morning fire, shall we say, um, to kick off this episode. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. Emma, thank you for uh, thank you for having me. All right. So listen, we'll kick it off. It's a it's a stacked question for you. A, have you been to Australia? And uh, B, have you tasted the Australian spread of Vegemite? You either love it or you strongly dislike it. What's your take? So I have not been to Australia. That is on the list of must go to places. And two, I had to look up what it was. So I have not had it before. <laughs> All right. Because you haven't tried it, when you do get to Australia, please give it a go. It is uh, quite a unique taste. Uh, so let's go with anchovies on a pizza. You either love it or not so much. Uh, never had anchovies and I don't think I'd put those on on my pizza. <laughs> All right. Because you answered that way, I finally found a a gap there. Uh, So the follow-up question is, of course, could you share with us a coaching moment that didn't go well and what might be some of the lessons? So I had a client that signed up for a coaching program and then completely went dark. And it was one of those moments where I knew he needed help. He had invested, but then all of a sudden it was crickets for forever. And I was not able to get him. So the lesson learned was one, when you have a client sign up, make sure they verbally commit, hey, I'm in, fully in. There's nothing that's going to stop me from moving forward, as well as commit from a written perspective, right? Signing something because that just that act of doing that puts people in the mental space that I'm in and I'm going forward. So that was a big, uh, big lesson learned. I love that already because it just, highlights that need for commitment and for people to actually, uh, you know, accountability, like follow through. Because, yeah, it's so true. I always I always wonder about that. We'll, we'll tap into accountability later, I'm sure. I'll make a note for myself there already. Um, all right, what about on the flip side, a coaching moment that went really well and what might be a lesson or two? So this was when I was pivoting from my gym business into peak performance coaching, and I had a gentleman who I have known since I was five years old. He was in my gym and I created this morning fire methodology, this four-step process, the rise, fight, love, repeat. And I, I said, you know what? I, w- I want to try this out. I want to beta test it, see if it works. I know it was working for me. And I asked him if he'd be in the program and he said, yes. And the foundation, the structure it gave him in the morning, the preparing the night before for success Now, he was a big linebacker, played football, fullback, big muscle-bound guy, but terribly shy to the point where he gave me a story where he said, my neighbor was out shoveling a driveway, and I was so shy, I didn't go out and help him, even though I I know I needed to. So throughout this process, coaching him, all of a sudden, he's speaking up in in the fitness classes. He's more vocal, and he sent me this note just saying, you know, basically that, that he is now the father that his kids deserve. He's the man he wants to be in since knowing him from when we were five years old, it just, it touched my heart and it, it was amazing to, uh, to watch. 
real transformation. I've got goosebumps just listening to that one. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing. All right. Tell me about a sliding doors moment in your life when your life's heading one way, something, someone. We have, I'm sure you've had many, but is there one? I've, I've already picked up on one, the gym, going from the gym business to the morning fire business. But could you share with us maybe a couple of sliding doors moments in your life? Number one would be the passing of my mom. So my mom passed away from breast cancer seven and a half years ago. I was in corporate America, had a job and, and just that moment, right? It was a punch to the gut. It was a cut at the knees. It was that two by four upside the head that said, hey, what, what's your purpose in life? And I remember having uh, the last deep conversation we had together was her fear of not being remembered. And that just struck such a chord in me. And I, I always... I didn't know it then, but now looking back, she was passing that baton to me to, hey, make sure that you create a legacy and you create an impact and you and you play each day with purpose and, and step into the best version of yourself. So losing her, watching her take her last breath definitely transformed me. And it took many different iterations to get where I'm at now. It doesn't happen overnight, but that was definitely the single greatest moment, you know, from a change perspective that that I've been impacted by yeah it's it's when you hit that rock bottom isn't it it's like okay well <laughs> play with purpose I love that play with purpose it's, it's, it's when we strip it back and I and I hope all our coach listeners you know even just learn from that story and just just check in with that question are you playing with purpose uh yeah just a like a check-in a little coach check-in gold nugget already yeah, and it's and it's amazing once you obviously you go through the the pain in the morning and it's always there with you right you're always missing that piece but then if you can transform that pain into purpose and i i wear a pink wristband now to remind me of my mother every single day and it's not to crawl in the corner and wallow in misery it's to say okay play with purpose today is a gift let's go let's go let's go mm. do you wake up like that every day no so there are days where i feel like I don't want to get out of bed, right? But I have systems, I have those fundamentals in place to know that, hey, my alarm's away from the bed. So I have to physically get out of bed because even if I don't feel like it, I'm up. And at that point, I have one option. I hit the stop button and I, I move. So, you know, that's such a big misconception, right? Especially yeah. when you talk about the mornings and so many people say, well, I'm not a morning person. Well, there are mornings where I just don't have it. Now, those are fewer and far, farther between because I'm eating right. I'm getting the proper sleep. I'm exercising. I'm doing all those things. But we all have those days where we just don't feel like doing it. But I love to flip that. And I love to, it's called the rainy day mentality where when it's raining out, let's say you want to go, you're, you had a run schedule. 99% of the population, when it's raining out, conditions aren't right. What do they do? They say, no, I'll do it tomorrow. That's an opportunity to get ahead of 99% of the people. So I love to go out in the conditions like that, get a run in because I know I'm getting that edge over over other people and and that slight edge is huge and you know i've never come back from a run and said to myself i feel really crap <laughs> never <laughs> yes you I, at the start i'm like what am i doing uh but i i love that concept and thanks for your honesty there because i know also already i can tell you and i have a similar energy vibration you know we're happy people we love life we we attack it but also we wake up some mornings not feeling the way that we even our energy in, in this discussion right now so just thanks for that because i know so many people out there 
you know, say to me, Emma, how can you be so positive all the time? And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. And, and, and that's so true. And, and here's another, I'll, I'll, I'll share another fun fact. I was voted on the male side of my high school, biggest complainer in my senior class. So if you can see transformation and change happens, it doesn't matter where you start out, right? You can constantly go through iterations, get better. And it's amazing to look back into those days and now see it. And people are like, you've got to be kidding me. You were voted biggest complainer. I, I, I was. <laughs> and the, the key point there as well that I picked up on is just having systems. So it's be, it being able to have a system to be able to flip things because you can't just wake up and go, okay, I'm just going to flip my mood. It's like having a system to be able to tap into those resources or, or coaching tools as I I like to call them. All right, our guiding question on the coaching podcast, we have over 500 responses to this question, is in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? So three words, authentic, authenticity, empathy, and a listener. Those would be the the three things. And, And I'll expand a little bit. Authentic. You need to live what you're going to coach somebody on because... I see it out there a lot. People are reading a book and then they're trying to coach somebody on something that they've never experienced. People feel that. And you and I vibe on a pretty even energy level. All of a sudden you you might be up here and your coach is down there. It's going to be a mismatch. So uh, making sure someone's authentic and, and you bring your authentic self to the coaching arrangement that that's critical empathy right? Understanding where people are at and meeting them where they're at, not necessarily where you're at. So, so vital to connect that bridge, guide them, coach them, teach them all those pieces. And then, you know, the, the, the final piece, listening, being able to hear and listen verbally and non-verbally. If you pick up physical cues, non-verbal cues that all of a something doesn't feel right. You have to call it out. You have to say, Hey, what's, what's happening on the inside. I feel, I can see it in your body language that you're not being completely honest. You've, you've got to dive into those because those are, are typically where the, 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 the real magic is when you can get past that surface level. Fantastic qualities. I remember one of my mentors saying, sometimes the Australian tonality go, we go up at the end of our sentence like okay. yeah i'm gonna do that <laughs> you know and she's like you gotta watch out for the the little you know the 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 um what's it called um anyway just the the rise in tone the, yep. at the end of the word that pick up on those you know those little non-verbal cues so i'm going to stay on that one just for a minute how do you when you do hear that what are some of your favorite questions uh to ask somebody you know if you think no nah, they said they're going to do that but i know they're not so one, I like to ask if they'd like helpful feedback. And I find like that, that is such a disarming way to approach it. We've all heard constructive criticism. When anybody says that, it's like we automatically, our, our fight or flight system engages and we're on the defensive, right? So, hey, would you like some helpful feedback? Or hey, Emma, I've got to be honest with you. I, I sense something in your body language. Let's explore what's going on. Tell me a little bit deeper and, and when you can call out how they're feeling, all of a sudden you make that connection and they're like, the, the, the light bulb goes off that, okay, they, they, this person is good at what they do and can understand what I'm feeling and that, that builds a deeper connection. And 
it's much easier to do when you've got that trust and that if you've had true empathy, then you've got that rapport to be able to ask that, that question. Um, awesome. All right. Our last official question on the coaching podcast is where we ask you to ask us a question. What sparks Jeff's curiosity? I go back to the fundamentals, right? I'm always interested to hear what the fundamentals are for yourself, anybody I interact with that gets them going every single day, because I, I always like to consider myself a never ending scientist, right? I've got that white lab coat on. I, I want to hear different things. I always want to get better. So the fundamentals of how people start their day, I'm always interested in, in that. So let's, let's, let's stay on that one. Talk to me about the start of the day. Why is that so important? And how did you come up with your business name? So majority of people start out their day with distracted, right? Digital addiction. The first thing they do is they either hit the snooze button multiple times or they grab their phone, they're checking texts, emails, social media, and your day is controlling you. You're not controlling your day. So if we think about anxiety, depression, stress, all time highs, it's because we're not taking control from the moment the alarm clock goes off. And I always say, hey, that, that is the first opportunity to make an impression on your day. We've always heard, hey, first impressions are key. Well, that's your first impression on your day that you're going to let the day control you. So, and I, I always related to the night before, you've got to prepare for success. If you're not going to have exactly what's planned out in the morning, the day is going to go haywire. You're going to be, you're going to be drawn to that phone. It's just that that's how we are as human beings. It's so digitally addicting. So controlling your day is so, so vitally important. And that's, that's why I, I knew I was struggling personally in my gym business. I didn't have the healthy habits, the rituals to really be set up for success. I was still hanging out with my buddies, you know, drinking beers till two in the morning. And I remember the conversation with my wife. I was teaching a fitness class at 8 a.m. and I smelled like alcohol. And she was like, how are you going to go teach a class with alcohol in your breath? And it hit me straight between the eyes. And I was like, you're, you're right. I need to change something. So I went through the process and this is really what I landed on. Morning fire. I mean, who, you know, it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. You're reborn. And, and who doesn't love fire, passion, energy? We need more of that in life. So many people are going through kind of on that just flat line. They're, they're not fantastic, but they're not terrible. So they just stay in the middle and, and average and mediocre. And I, I want to I change that narrative. Okay. So let's go there. I have to go there. The four-step morning fire methodology. Uh, you mentioned it already. You mentioned the four keys already, but is it okay if you, could you expand on each one for us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's the rise, fight, love, repeat. That's the, that's the mantra. And I, I love mantras, right? You, you need to have those. My family has one, right. That we operate with and the rise, fight, love, repeat. The rise is like a Phoenix rising from the ashes, reborn, right? You're preparing at night. So what are you going to do right when you wake up in the morning, having that prepared. So you don't need to think about it because if we think about it, our minds get in the way. And the first thing I love to do is drink a, drink a glass of water. And I've coached clients on, Hey, making sure that water is available for you when you wake up in the morning. And I've had people say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. And I said, hold on a second. Let me play out this scenario. You, you get up, you go downstairs to get that glass of water. There's not a clean glass in the, in the cabinet. Okay. There's an opportunity for your mind to stop you. You go down to the dishwasher. Well, the dishwasher detergents in there, but somebody didn't push it fully closed, 
there's another opportunity in your mind say what? Screw this. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, go I'm going and checking my phone. So having it all prepared out, I want to make it as simple as possible so you're successful. So you will not fail in this. So drinking a glass of water is, is huge. Then we move on to the fight portion. And that's where we're fighting for our physical fitness and our mental fitness, right? Getting in at some exercise in. we are meant to move our bodies. We're meant to move. So movement, and you don't need to make it terribly complex. It could be going some stairs. It could be going for a walk. It could be a demanding workout, but moving the body just creates such an energy level. Your, your mind's going to thank you for it. That's a critical component in the fight. And then meditation right? We hit the physical gym all the time. And there's, I used to own a physical gym. There are gyms everywhere. There's no mind gyms, right? Like we're, we're not doing the mind reps. We're not working on our courage. We're not working on our mindset. We're not working on our positivity. So meditating, and we all have this misconception. I used to have it as, as far as meditation, a monk on the side of a mountain, bald head, legs crossed, snow coming down. And he's there for hours. It's not that complex. You can sit there and just breathe for a minute and that's good enough for meditation, right? And, and that's a key component to getting your physical side and mental side correct. Love, this is loving yourself. When you take care of yourself, you are loving yourself. It's the greatest gift you can give all those around you. And it's so counterintuitive because we all think, oh, we need to take care of everybody before us. I'm a parent. Many parents feel that same way. I would argue if you take care of yourself first, then you're going to show up so much better for everybody else. So loving yourself, gratitude, journaling, doing some other things related to, uh, you know, learning. And then the secret sauce, it's mundane, it's monotonous, it's unsexy, the repetition, the consistency over and over again. It's why, you know, I've meditated 1,000, I think today was 1,654 straight days. It's just that repetition over and over again. And the issue with consistency is, we are fed from society, from media, hey, get, get six-pack abs in six minutes, right? Lose 40 pounds in 20 days. We're fed that, so we begin to believe that's the way it can happen. And it just, it just doesn't. Nothing long-lasting happens that quick. It'll go away as quick as it happened. So the issue with consistency, and, and Simon Sinek says it in, in one of his books, is we just don't know when it'll happen, right? If you're consistent, eventually you'll get there. The issue is we don't know when it will happen. So that's the, uh, that's the rise, fight, love, repeat. Yeah, those four steps just really resonate. And I think all coaches can benefit from that. And, and I love the piece about focusing on yourself. And because you know, as coaches, we're giving all the time to others and we see greatness in others. So it's what a beautiful reminder that those four steps are just as important for us to take care so that we can give even more. So I, I absolutely love that. All right, let's, let's wind back the clock uh, to five-year-old Jeff. Uh, tell me about five-year-old Jeff. Tell me about your, your sporting background uh, and who, who, did, who did you want to be when you were five? So I was a terribly shy kid to the point where I remember my mom telling me a story when I was five or six. I didn't really remember it, but I wanted to go over to a friend's house and she had to come with me to the friend's house. So I was a very introverted kid, terribly shy. And even into my adult life, I struggled with speaking up in corporate meetings, which is kind of funny now since I public speak. Right. But again, it's those, those iterative process, five years old, shy, 
had big glasses, kind of a bowl haircut. I, I was born in the 70s and grew up in the early 80s, but I love sports. Sports gave me that outlet, right, where I could become more of who I truly was, right, because I was athletic. So football, basketball, baseball, football, and ba basketball were my two main sports, which I just just loved. Uh, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. That was, that was my dream. Uh, obviously, didn't come to fruition, but I was able to take that passion for sports. And now I've coached youth sports with my two sons and even before they were around for, for 20 plus years. And you always remember that coach that kind of changed things, changed your perspective. And I still remember winning my first championship as 10 years old at, at, in basketball and uh, still remember the coach's name and, and our team. So it's, it was pretty incredible. Mm, how did he make you feel? Empowered right? That, that we could do it. And that's one of the things I've always taken to youth sports coaching, as well as my peak performance coaching is, is being a cheerleader and you've got this right. And it's an amazing gift that I get to give my 12 and 13 year old sons now is mm. hey, you've got this, let's go. I'm, I'm here. I'm with you. And don't we all need that person in our corner that is just cheering us on? It's, it's so incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is. I, I love that cheerleaders surround yourself with those as many as you can because again we're our biggest critics aren't we telling us that we can't do it so we need that to to pump ourselves up and then okay so then you're you're moving along and you, you so then you set up the gym business so I'm curious around I want to tap into language if we could you know when you're teaching someone to do a bench press or a squat it's quite a it's a teaching there's a teaching component to that and then the world of coaching, where it's about so much about unlocking somebody else's potential and listening and empathy and all those beautiful qualities that you've already mentioned. So how did you find the balance between those two? And when did you really discover, do you think, what coaching was really all about? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And language is so key, right? How we speak out into the universe, our subconscious minds, which is our supercomputer behind the scenes, it follows what we speak. And I remember really discovering it for myself. I was using words, try and should and could and maybe. And I always love to, to give the, you know, the mental picture of when you use a word like that. I always say you're in a room and there's a door that you want to go through when you were use try, should, maybe, could, basically a door behind you appears and your subconscious mind just walks out the back door and there's no way you're going through that, that front door. So once I started implementing it myself, then all of a sudden the RAS system, our reticular activating system is wide open and I hear it through others, right? Then, then it allows you to, hey, would you like some helpful feedback? Sure. Well, when you say the word try, you're basically not giving yourself the credit that you're going to be able to do it, right? And, and being able to coach and guide in language and bring it up because so much of what we do as coaches is creating an awareness because people we're, we're not aware of what we, we do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So creating that awareness, bringing it to the forefront, guiding them. And I love the word guide because when you guide them and then all of a sudden they use it again, but then they look at you like, I know, and then they don't do it again, then you've, you've made that connection. So uh, it was an iterative process as, as everything is. And, and I wasn't great at it when I started. And that's such a misconception that so many people have. And, and one I definitely communicate to my sons is when you're taking up something new, 
you're going to suck at it when you start. That's just the reality. But as long as you keep getting up, get better, learn from what you're doing, then, then you're going to be successful in the long run. And so to do that, obviously, we've spoke about cheerleaders. What about mentors in your life? I know uh, here that uh, you won the Tony Robbins Award. Um, tell me about that. And have you met him and uh, other mentors in your life and other influences? Yeah, so so he has been a, a big one in my life, and I was a uh, uh, in a group of about thirty thousand plus, and and I won an award. I it was during the pandemic during COVID, so I actually do have the opportunity next time and in person to meet him behind the uh, backstage. So I'm I'm excited for for that opportunity, and then it's just other I would say indirect mentors that I follow from a you know a leadership from a a, a, a grit a work ethic perspective. David Goggins is a huge one that I love to follow with his, his work ethic. Uh, Ed Milet is another uh, that, that I love to, to follow and, and listen and, and learn from. And once you crack just a little piece of your potential and you see it, then you can never go back, right? And then it's just that never ending, hey, what, what am I gonna learn today? What, you have this insatiable curiosity of how do I just get a little bit better today? And, and uh, so, yeah, Tony Robbins, uh, you know, Jocko Wilnick, Ed Milet, David Goggins, those are some of the key ones that uh, mm-hmm. I love, love to follow and, and listen. And, you know, I, I love them to push me as well. I've done the Goggins run now two years in a row, which, uh, which is always an interesting endeavor. Four by four by 48. Tell me what, so what is it? That is, uh, so he does it in March. You run four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight. So it's the equivalent of 48 hours or 48 miles in 48 hours, almost two marathons. So I did it two years ago, raised some money for a foundation that I'm, I'm, uh, close with. And then this past year, I just said, all right, I'm going to run it faster than I did the year before. So, uh, you know, you run at 11 PM, 3 AM, 7 AM, and you're repeating every four hours. Mm. So what kind of mental strength does that take to 3 AM? Talk, talk me through that when you, when your body's like, no, well, one is you've got to prepare. And I, and we talked about that the night before, right? I had my route prepared. I knew what I was going to do from a you know, recovery perspective, cold bath, nutrition, leg sleeves. So I was able to, to do it. The first time I did it, there was definitely some fear involved and, and some questions on whether I could do it or not. But when you're raising money for a foundation, when you have other things that are driving you, that pushes you to, to get up and, and go running at, at 3 a.m. in the pitch, pitch black. What talked to me about, uh, breathing and you know, especially as it relates to going through cold you know, ice baths and cold showers and things like that how important is connecting with the breath it's something that's so automatic that we miss it and we don't breathe properly and and i'm still a work in progress right i i still when i go out for my runs three or four or five breaths breathing through my nose. And then it kind of goes back to, to what I'm used to, but there's so much power in breathing through your nose. Studies show that people that sleep when they, when they sleep, those that breathe through their nose have much higher quality sleep than those that breathe through their mouths. So, you know, focusing on your breath, calming down, especially when you're getting in a cold shower or an ice bath, First thing you're going to do is, you know, you breathe in like that. Well, the key is to, to focus on that, breathe, 
And that's why meditation is key as well. And, and it's a great calming and centering practice. I, I love to do it with my clients where we breathe in for a six second count, hold for two, out for seven. You do that three times, mm. all of a sudden you're relaxed, you're in the present state, you're right here. And it's, a, it's an amazing pra practice to get into. Mm. I just took a breath then, <laughs> centering myself for this interview and trusting my curiosity will come through in the next question. So... <laughs> which relates to you, I know you do a lot of speaking um, and I touched on it earlier, I'm deeply curious about accountability. Uh, so, so many times as a motivational speaker, I know myself, we, we come in and we, we talk about you know, this morning fire and this energy and we excite the crowd and everyone's, yes, you know, I've got this and then they do nothing or they take zero action. How as a speaker do you overcome that? What are some of your tricks of the trade to be able to address accountability and taking action. Yeah. And, and that's so true, right? That that's one of the pain points I have is when I speak to somebody, are they implementing it? Right. They, they feel that energy. They, they feel that raise in their awareness. They they're ready to hit it. And then tomorrow comes and they've, they've got to do the work. So one of the things I always do is, is say, Hey, focus on one or two things, simple, things that you can do starting tomorrow and then find an accountability buddy that, that you can do it with, right? That's so important when we're talking about change, right? Or if you really want to be bold, say you're going to do it and post it out on social media, right? Because that just flips that switch subconsciously. You don't want to look like a liar. So you follow through. So I, I, I always say focus on one or two things. And I, I make a lot of things so simple and so easy. Sometimes they're laughable but I want them to be that simple and easy. So they'll actually do them. Right. And so many times we're we're trying to be intense. We want to do everything, but just do something easy, celebrate it. Right. Yes. I got it done and then do it again tomorrow. So I, that, that's one of the key strategies I use mm -hmm. to get movement for people. So they're not all fired up and then nothing happens the next day. What one example? One example is just to exercise in the morning. And I say, go for a two minute walk, just go out, walk for two minutes, get out in the fresh air. Your body will thank you for it. You'll love the, the, you know, nature hearing the birds and, and then just celebrate it once you're done. And, and most people will say, all right, two minutes, I can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. We can all find two minutes. That's for sure. Yeah. I love that. Make it really simple. And then, and then it becomes habitual, doesn't it? It does. Uh, and, and too many times we make it so complex and so difficult to do that there's no wonder why we fail so many times in trying to create those those habits what do you think about uh i know you're you know you you count the number of days you meditated and the number of days you've you've done this uh i know some people do that even with addiction and we, we you mentioned digital addiction earlier as well that i i thought i never heard that phrase before um yet it's that's all around us isn't it how important is counting days or is it important or does it depend on the person? Uh, and yeah, what, what are your thoughts around this, this new digital addiction and helping people around, uh, around that? I absolutely think it's critical to count and track it, right? Because if you don't see it and my meditation app actually shows up after I meditate, how many straight days I've done it. So I can still remember it was like day hundred and. 55. And we, as a family went down to Disney in Florida up early, 
it was like 10 o'clock. I said, Oh my God, I, I didn't meditate today. So I got it in at the end of the night, but that tracking all of a sudden it kind of gamifies it. You get competitive with yourself and you see, Hey, how long can I take this? Now there's, there might be a day where I don't do it. I highly doubt it. I told my wife, even if I'm in the hospital, you better put the earbuds on and, and <laughs> put the app on. So I, I continue my, my streak because it's important to me, but you've got to track it. If you're not tracking it, how do you know where you're at? Right. And, and that's, so many people don't track anything. Well, then you're adrift in the ocean. You're on that boat without a sail, without you know a, a motor or without any oars, and you're just drifting through life. So tracking is absolutely, absolutely critical to success. And you know whether it's a week, thirty days, whatever it is, writing it down, seeing it, having it visible, then then you can step in and and you can complete those tasks or whatever you want to do each and every day. And the digital addiction, what coaching advice have you got around a client who's suffering from that? So number one is when you wake up, no distractions. I have a rule. You cannot check your phone right when you wake up other than hit the stop for the alarm. Get away from that so you can wake up physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Then once you stack those wins, you're so much more equipped to be able to take on, hey, maybe a negative email or a negative text. And I know it's difficult. I wake up and I see... I go to bed pretty early at night because I wake up pretty early. Hey, 25 text messages. Okay, I'll read them when I'm done. It's, it's nothing that is going to change my life necessarily. So definitely in the morning, that time is yours. Do not touch that phone, right? No distractions. And then having a digital sunset at night. When are you going to put that phone away? Turn it off where you can actually prepare for a good night's sleep, right? When we get all that blue light that we're not wired to have. So melatonin isn't produced, which helps us get deep sleep and your quality of sleep suffers. And that's, that's where we, where we restore physically and mentally. So that's another aspect. And then just playing a game with, I mean, you can get on your phone, how much screen time you spend and it is eye-opening. And, and I've you know done some family things where I've worked with families to put away the phone and actually spend time speaking to one another where we don't do enough of that anymore. Right. So, uh, and it's been eye-opening for my sons too, as well, to, to put that phone away during school year. We have a, a rule where we're closing down at nine or nine 30, depending on, uh, you know, which one it, it is. And, and we're getting prepared for a good night's sleep. Mm, digital sunset, another new little catchphrase. I love there. All right. So rounding it off then, uh, this beautiful interview that I've enjoyed immensely. Um, what about some more little gold nuggets like that? Do you have any little coaching catchphrases that relate especially to your legacy? One is today is a, a gift you'll never get back again. And, and if you can wake up with that thought process on a daily basis, imagine how you're going to operate. And obviously losing my mom to breast cancer, I know how fragile life is. And, and when you do, it changes your perspective, right? It changes how you view things, things that might be trivial, that might have drawn you, driven you nuts before. Hey, I'm just moving on. So that's, that's incredibly powerful. Um, and a couple other ones would be when you feel that twinge of fear of stepping into that uncomfortable zone reverse that and use it as a reverse indicator that that's exactly where you need to go. If you're interested in growth and all of a sudden the hair stands on the, 
up on the back of your neck or your, you get those butterflies in your stomach because you haven't done something before. If you can flip it and say, yes, all right, that's an opportunity. I need to move forward. You can do amazing things because that's where the growth lies. And, and we are wired to be safe and certain. That's the way our brains are wired. If you can just step, use that as a reverse indicator, it's incredibly powerful. Mm. Well, you've heard it here, um, Jeff, that was a really authentic conversation and your energy oozes through your tone and uh, your, I know everyone can't see your wonderful smile and presence, but um, check it out on YouTube if you, if you missed the audio version of this interview uh, to help us all transform, rise, fight, love, and of course, repeat. Thank you very much, Jeff, for being on the coaching podcast. Emma, thanks for having me. Grateful. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by Transition Coach for Athletes, a global coaching, mentoring, and U.S. placement service. The service helps athletes navigate the often challenging world of choosing your best college fitness performance. Visit www.transitioncoachforathletes.com. That's the number four. If you company are interested in sponsoring the Coaching Podcast, reach out to info at emmadoyle.com dot com dot au